I'm Kate Daniels. It's April, and one of the major awarenesses of this month is child abuse prevention. Awareness has already brought the benefits of speaking more openly and honestly, but there's still a long road ahead. Awareness also helps in making a person, a child, feel they are not alone, not the weird one. A woman who's had the terrible experience is now a strong and powerful voice in the work to bring more awareness and to help parents and teachers and all of us who care for children. She's Joelle Castix. Joelle's written an important book, a guidebook really using life stories and offering important, easy tips for parents. The Well-Armored Child, A Parent's Guide to Preventing Sexual Abuse. So let's meet Joelle and learn more. Joelle Castex, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, too, for being the really strong, brave woman that you are leading this campaign that you have on behalf of all of us, but with a real primary focus here with our children, our youth. And there are so many positive reasons for this, not the least of which when we educate our children at a young age, we're really giving them a good foundation on in life, and in this case, all around the idea of of uh, sexual abuse, any kind of abuse, but really focusing in on that. So thank you for doing this incredibly important work. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So in your new book, The Well-Armored Child, you really cover so much important and good t- territory that parents can really, parents and all other adults who are working with children can really learn a lot about what to do and what to look for. Really, it's an incredible guidebook, I, I believe, isn't it? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, and it's and something I, I try to also tell people is that preventing child sexual abuse is easy. And there's a ton of information in the book because I have, you know, decades of experience. But really, preventing child sexual abuse is so easy. And it's just about communication, strong body boundaries, and building authentic self-esteem in your child. And if you can do those three things or just be even aware that how important those three things are, your child is safer than 85% of the other children out there because predators will not target them. So in the context of that, though, that is really coming face-to-face with one of the myths where parents might feel, oh, no, I don't want to talk about this too much. It's going to be too much information, and, and I want to protect my child by, by not exposing them to that kind of idea right now. But that really is a, a dangerous myth, isn't it? It is a dangerous myth because preventing child sexual abuse and communicating with your child about preventing child sexual abuse has nothing to do with sex. My son is nine years old, and he has an age-appropriate understanding of what sex is, and it totally grosses him out, which is great. (laughs) But he's been well-armored against sexual abuse since before he could speak. He didn't have to know what sex was. He didn't have to know what abuse was. He had to have strong body boundaries. He had to have good language to describe the parts of his body, authentic biological terms, and he had to understand that it is never okay for an adult to compromise those body boundaries or to take advantage of him and um, if any holes he might have in his self-esteem. So you have, in this book, 
shared what you have tried and tested and you see the results of it. And so parents can depend on that, along with all the research you've done, including, and you share this quite openly and honestly in the book, coming from your own abuse in the past in your teens. So all of this together is really giving a very strong, solid base for us to work from. Yes, I've worked with adult survivors of child sexual abuse for 15 years now. And um, I've worked with survivors who are here in Southern California, who live on the island of Guam, who live in Yupik Eskimo villages in Western Alaska, and who live in New York City. And what I found was that our stories were painfully similar, painfully similar. Child predators are the same no matter where you find them, and they capitalize on the same things and the same holes they see and the same vulnerable children. And I realized that it was just a a series of very simple decisions and and an awareness that parents need to have to protect their kids. And it's what I really like and appreciate about it is that you don't have to have a Ph.D. to understand what to do. All you need to have is the wherewithal to understand that any child can be vulnerable. All you need to do is stand up and say, I will take action to make sure my child is not a target. And as you were describing where you have worked well, we realize that this is not just a North America problem. It's not a big city problem. It's worldwide. Yeah. It's, you know, when you look at child sexual abuse happens everywhere. My specialty happened to start within the Catholic Church. That's where I was abused and with many of the victims with whom I worked. But if child sexual abuse happens everywhere. It happens in homes. It happens in clubs. It happens in schools and neighborhoods. Um, and it thrives in institutions that are more inclined to cover up abuse to protect themselves. And in my, when I say institutions, I can go all the way to the family, which is you know, our oldest institution. And so if you can, every child needs two advocates. They need an adult, a strong, loving adult, hopefully a parent to advocate for them, and they need themselves. And if they have those two things, then they are stronger and can be a hard target. Because predators want the easy target. They don't want to work too hard. What they want to do is they want to abuse a child and then move on to the next child. They don't want to work too hard for it. They don't want to, it's, it's not a challenge for them to get the child to, um, to groom. They, they don't want the challenge of grooming if they don't have to. And so they, if you can just instill a bunch of things in your child to make them less likely to be groomed, and grooming is the means by which child sex predators um, manipulate children into thinking that abuse is love. They use flattery, attention, time, gifts secrets, isolation, to make themselves the center of the child's world. And you see in in any child who's vulnerable and who wants adult attention, how easy it is for that child to suddenly be wrapped around the predator's finger. But if you can do anything to make sure that your child is the first to say, no, no, thank you. I don't want to hug you. I don't feel comfortable. No, that's, you're not supposed to be anywhere near those parts of my body. Yes, I know the proper names of my body parts. The predator will stand up and walk away because they know that that child, the strong, empowered, well-armored child, is a child who's going to report and is going to put that predator behind bars. 
And we've heard you use then the word vulnerable. That is the thing to look at to see whether our own child or children in our neighborhood around us, uh, other family members, have a vulnerability because that's the flaw. That is what the predator is looking for, right? Exactly. And even the smartest kids can be vulnerable. I'll take an example that, and this example just happened in my son's school um, probably about three weeks ago. And um, a little girl at, in his class was targeted through, she had a YouTube account, an unmonitored YouTube account. She was nine years old. And a predator targeted her there and lied and said that he was a nine-year-old little girl with cancer. And what he did was he capitalized on the girl's vulnerability by saying, oh, I'm so sick, I need a friend. And then he said, oh, yeah, you know what? I know Taylor Swift, and I bet I can get you in a Taylor Swift video. All I need is your picture. And he told these girls, you're my... And then he he got this one girl to give more information on some of her friends. And these were smart little girls who were told, you know, you can do anything you want, but this, this predator found their vulnerability. They wanted to meet Taylor Swift. And fortunately, one of the girls said, hey, this is wrong, and went to her parents. But that vulnerability can come in any way, shape, or form. And if you say, you know, my kid is too smart for that, my kid wouldn't fall for that, don't be so naive. Talk to your child about it. I mean, I can stand and say, hey, you know, my kid wouldn't be dumb enough to to be suckered in on, online. But you know what? I won't know for sure unless I talk to him about it. Unless I give him tools to say, hey, if someone contacts you on the Internet that you don't know, tell mom. If someone threatens you, tell mom. Come to mom. Arm them so that they're not confused when things do happen. So there we see that strong advocate, the the loving adult mom is there, and having already established really good communication channels so the child feels comfortable coming to talk about whatever's been going on. Exactly. Another great example of Um, you know, why it's important. You don't need to destroy your child's innocence. But a great gateway for um, predators is the use of pornography, showing children pornography. And usually this starts with the prepubescent child. And well, we all know pornography is widely available on the Internet. And how do, you, how do you armor your child to let them know that that's not okay? You don't certainly want to show your child pornography, But what you do is you do this. You say, hey, sweetheart, my son, my daughter, do you know what the term pornography means? It's pictures of people naked, usually having sex. And if someone shows that to you, that's wrong. So just come and tell mom. My son or any other child would say, oh, okay, that's good. Now he has a rule. So if someone shows it to him, if a friend shows it to him or an adult shows it to him and says, don't tell anybody, your mom will be mad, the child will say, no, actually, my mom told me that if anyone showed me that, I had to come to her and I wouldn't get in trouble if I told her. Again, it's that open communication and it's that ability to empower your child with a tool, giving them a strategy so that they're not blindsided when things happen. Really so key. Now, the thing that parents might say is, oh, I am so strapped for time even when it revolves around our own children needing us. But it's not that you have to spend an exorbitant amount of time. This can really be short pieces of time, but consistent, right, Joelle? Exactly. I mean, and you want to make it as non-weird as possible. I mean, you don't want to sit down all of a sudden with your nine-year-old 
and lay out all these rules because your kid's going to be like, hey, something's up, something's weird. But it's about a lifetime of, of just talking about little things here and there. We all see these things that happen. We see them on television or something happens at the kid's school, and you just bring it up very short and say, hey, you know what? If, something, if someone contacts you on the Internet you don't know, come to mom. It's okay. If something pops in your mind, hey, you know, about like pornography. Do you know what pornography is? This is what it is. If someone shows it to you, come and tell mom. If your child is, you know, going outside, just reinforce, hey, you know, you know that you, these, are, these are the rules, and this is, this is what you do, and you don't make it weird. You just make it a, a part of their lives. It's just like teaching your, your toddler when they first get language. You teach them the proper biological names of their body parts. This is the most, one of the most important things you can do for your child because if you give your child's genitalia a funny name or a, a goofy name that is not real, it tells your child two things. One, that their genitalia is embarrassing and two, it's something that they should be ashamed of. And so if you armor your child with the proper biological names of their body parts, a predator won't be able to go in and say, oh, what's that? Your child will say, hey, that's my penis. Stay away. And so, and that stuff you can just, you know, that's, that's a bathtub game. This is my head. These are my toes. That's my penis. Hooray. And it's not weird for your child. It's, just, it's the rule that, you know, you, you tell your kid, you know what? No one is to touch your penis, and you are not to touch anyone else's penis. And that's the same rule as, you know, you're not supposed to hit your sister and you don't kick the dog. And your kid doesn't see anything weird about that because it's just another one of the rules that they know will keep them safe. And that is such, feels like such common sense. It's so logical, and you really lay it out so clearly, uh, Joelle. That is incredible. Well, thank you. So let's mention this wonderful new book, A Parent's Guide to Preventing Sexual Abuse, The Well-Armored Child. Of course, we can get it from the website and probably from all of our favorite book sources, right? Yes, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere online you can buy a book. It's also, you can get it It's in some smaller bookstores, and if it's not in your bookstore, you could always have it shipped in. That's great. That's the thing to do is to ask for it, and that helps to really help other parents become armored themselves so they have their own well-armored child, right? Exactly, and support your local bookstore. Exactly. That's right. So uh, let's mention at this point your website because I think that has additional uh, good information, a a wealth of information. Yes, my website is my last name, Castex, C-A-S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E-I-X as in X-ray. And it's a compendium of information I have, including there's a great cheat sheet on there for the well-armored child. Um, I found that um, a lot of people, when they have the book, they just want a piece of paper that they can share with someone else or they can refer to. And this cheat sheet just has some of my top tips to protect your child. You can get that cheat sheet there. It also talks about some of my other books, um, including one which is very popular called The Compassionate Response. Because once you start talking about child sexual abuse, and once you armor your child about sexual abuse, you will notice that survivors will start talking to you because you're open and because you are compassionate. And so The Compassionate Response is just a great short little book that helps you know exactly what to do and say when someone tells you they were sexually abused as a child. Sounds like another really important book to have at hand uh, for ourselves. uh, And of course, as you were pointing out, to be able to share with others, that's really key. 
Yes. So here, as we look at at the well-armored child and, and what we are wanting to instill in our children, we see a lot on television, uh, hear it on the news, see it splattered across all, all sorts of media and papers ab- about abuse occurring. And rather than trying to shield, which would be very difficult, that's another good way to have the discussion to make our children uh, better prepared and educated, right? It is. I mean, I really don't recommend that that people sit with their kids and watch the 24-hour news cycle because it does tend to be sensationalized. And I think that it's given us a false sense that the world is a much more dangerous place than what it used to be. But I, I believe that because we are so much more open about talking about abuse, because the cops are more likely to pursue these cases, because the media covers it, that it's put predators on alert and it's informed us, and that our children are now actually far less likely to be abused. But I also believe that, you know, if, if your child does, if you and your child do stumble across these things together, you don't use fear to teach your child about this stuff, because a child who lives in fear is a child who is vulnerable. And if you can instill in your child good tools so that things do not happen um, or are less likely to happen to them, then they can be strong and empowered as opposed to living in fear, you know, every time they turn a corner, wondering if there's some kind of weird predator there. So that brings up the important thing to look at here, too, that, yes, that kind of a a terrible, uh, fearful situation occurs because we hear about it, but that's a small percentage, isn't it, of the sexual abuse that happens with our children? Exactly. I mean, I, I am very, I, I do believe that children should know what stranger danger is, but I do not think we should rely upon it because stranger danger is less than, or stranger abduction is less than 5% of children who are sexually abused. The other 95% are the person that you knowingly and lovingly invite into your home that person you already know and trust. And that's why child sexual abuse is so pernicious and why children don't report, because that adult is someone their parent invited into the home and someone that not only the child loves, but the parent loves. And so, yes, empower your child. Let them know about stranger danger. Tell them you never go with a stranger and you report and this and that. But at the same time, give them the tools they need to repel the other 95% of predators who are not strangers who are already in your home. So that we want to underscore, it's really important to be conscious of that. And if the child, when we teach our children, they are so much more conscious, it's going to have that really good boundary right there in place to fend that off. Yeah, and and again, it's it's not about using fear. I mean, my my son, so... yeah, this poor kid, he's raised by the child sex abuse lady. So I've been doing interviews about preventing and exposing child sexual abuse since before he was born. And it's a word he's heard, but a word he didn't really even understand until he had learned about the basic mechanics of sex about six or eight months ago. And a few weeks later, he came to me and said, well, mom, then what is sexual abuse? And it's interesting because he is a child who knows that no one is supposed to touch his penis, and he is not to touch anyone else's. He understands how to report bullying. He understands how to report when someone comes to him. He knows 
all the proper biological names of his body parts. He understands that no one is to take pictures and you don't talk to strangers on the Internet. But he didn't really know what sexual abuse was, which means that it's, he, he already had the foundation without having to have his innocence destroyed. And I was very pleased. And it showed me that, yes, it is very, very possible. You can teach your child how to cross the road safely without showing them what a car accident looks like. And that's the goal of the well-armored child. Meaning that they don't have to be the accident victim in order to understand it. Exactly. Right. Yes. So, so key here, you know, in sharing that story, it really, I think, underscores for us how valuable this book, The Well-Armored Child, is because you are living it. Your child is right there experiencing it. And it shows how using all of the information here can help all parents, uh, all adults working with children to really establish this kind of rapport, this kind of education with them. Exactly. I mean, and I, and I, I said before, I've worked with thousands of survivors of sexual abuse who were abused from young childhood up into their teens. And it's the grooming patterns and the predatory patterns are so very, very similar. And the thing is, is that for the victim of child sexual abuse, they're so manipulated into thinking that the abuse is love. And the most important thing we can do to combat that is to show our children what authentic love and authentic parenting are, and that it has nothing to do with um, confusion or manipulation. And, you know, it's in many ways, I mean, when I look at my, my own family, for, for instance, you know, I was abused in the 1980s, and it was very, very different back then. And we were far more inclined to blame the victim, especially if she was female. What did she do to deserve it? What did she do to want it? She must have, you know, asked for it, so on and so forth. But when, you know, my parents and I go back and we look at a series of decisions that got me to the point where I was vulnerable there were so many places in there where a simple intervention could have made all the difference. And even my dad will say, you know, and, and this is where it's long roundabout way of getting to my point, which is, you know, your intuition as a parent is so important because there were so many times that my dad said, you know, I just thought something was weird, but I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what to do. And as parents, you know, there's so many times where we say, gosh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm losing sleep over this. There are studies about it. Um, our gut is our, you know, it's our second brain. It has almost as many neurons as our brain does. It's our primitive reactionary system. You know, if we're upset, our gut sees. If we're, you know, nervous, our guts let go. It's Our guts are very, very powerful. And it's, we need to really learn as parents to follow that intuition because in the thousands, with the thousands of survivors I have worked with, it was always the same. There's always a parent who said, gosh, something was just a little weird, but I decided this person was okay. Or the kid said, it felt a little weird, but I wasn't sure, but I trusted him. So I just went along with it because he was a person in a position of power. And so it's such an important lesson to, to tell ourselves and our children and say, hey, if something feels weird, don't do it. And, of course, when our children are teenagers, that's a whole other thing altogether. But if we can let them know to follow their gut, and if we follow our own gut, if something feels weird, don't 
do it. If you don't like a house where your child has been invited, politely decline. If you don't like an adult who is running a, a program that your child is involved in, then say something or don't have your child go. Because what's the worst that could happen? You might hurt someone's, you know, if you, by saying no, you might hurt someone's feelings, but it's much better than the alternative. It's much better than looking back and saying, my God, if I had just followed my gut, maybe my child would not have been abused. Precisely. So all of this, these stories, the the experiences that you've had in having conversations with people uh, around the globe, Joelle, really is such important information for us to help us to become informed, to help us then to teach our children. And one of the key things, again, going back to that word vulnerable, just to be aware, uh, perhaps we know that our children um, are kind of in a stable situation, but that may not be true for the kid next door or child down the street or a child in our kid's class, that kind of thing. To realize vulnerability is something that a predator is going to key in on. Exactly. And this is, this is another way that we can armor our children. So when your child hits um, junior high age, your child may never be a victim of abuse, and that's the hope, that's the goal. But they may have friends who come to them and say, yes, I've been sexually abused or someone's hurting me. And so that's, you know, right around junior high age is when you have that open and honest talk with your child and say, hey, you know what? If a friend comes to you and says a family member or someone is hurting them or sexually abusing them, no matter who it is, come to mom. That person is going to beg you to keep their secret. But the only way you can help them is if you come to mom. And your child, when you tell them that, they may say, well, gosh, that seems kind of weird. But then when it does happen, they have a strategy in place. Because kids do disclose abuse, and they disclose abuse to their peers because sometimes they just can't keep that pain in anymore. But then you don't want your child to be sworn to secrecy and to carry that burden that you want your child to know that they can or that they can come to you. And the only way that you can really instill that in your child is if you come out and tell them. Because don't make assumptions when it comes to your child. Don't just assume your child is safe. Don't just assume your child will come to you when there's trouble. Give them the tools and the strategies so that they know right away. Gosh, my mom said, my dad said, if someone comes to me and says they were sexually abused to go to mom, and that she will help, dad will help, my trusted uncle will help. And, and now your child is so much better off because they can help themselves, they can help their peer, and again, they're also less likely to be targeted. And Joelle, if we have not established that kind of a foundation yet with our children, and they are at junior high or a little older age, there are signs that we might look for to realize something's going on. Do you want to touch on a, what some of those might be? Definitely. And it's never too late to start a conversation. Never too late. And start slowly and just be honest and tell your child if you're scared or embarrassed or whatever. And come to your kid as an adult and they will appreciate it. But there are signs. Um, that, and it's very similar to you know any kind of distress signal in a, in a kid, um, whether they're involved in alcohol and drugs, or they're being sexually abused, or they're being bullied at school. Many of the signs and symptoms are the same and need immediate intervention no matter the cause. 
If your child quits an activity that they love, if they become withdrawn, there are severe mood changes, uh, they become self-destructive, start cutting or hurting themselves, if they do get involved in drugs and alcohol, if um, you see other signs, isolation, um, if they are hiding things from you, things like um, gifts and technology that you don't know where they came from, computers, tablets, prepaid credit cards. If your child is um, locking their door and not letting you in, if you're not allowed to see their laundry, if they um, are not disclosing where they're going, these are all signs that you need to intervene and be a parent for your child. Um, because a predator wants will keep a hold of your child with secrets and will keep a hold of your child with gifts and isolation. And the more you can pull your child out of that isolation and intervene and get them help, and even if your child's not being sexually abused but your child is struggling with depression or anxiety or your child is struggling with drugs or alcohol, you want to intervene as soon as possible because you know, a child's, a teenager's life, a young teenager's life is so compressed and so um, they, they feel things so much more than the rest of us do because they're young and they are raging with hormones. The early intervention is key no matter what the um, problem is. That is such a, a key point to make and really an opportune place as uh, our time is so rapidly winding down. So thank you for that really great overview, uh, Joelle. And let's take a moment now to again mention the availability of The Well-Armored Child, all of our favorite book sources, correct? Yes, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places. If you have a small local bookstore, tell them to stock it. They can go straight to the publishing company, Greenleaf, and get it out there. Um, and if they go onto my website, they can get a great cheat sheet that's a wonderful, wonderful accompaniment to the book that they can share with other people. And let's mention the website one more time. It's castex.com, C-A-S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E-I-X as in X-ray. Terrific. Oh, Joelle, this has just been the most informative time together, and you are so well-spoken on it. Thank you so much for that, all the insights that you've shared and for all the really important work that you're doing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate this time.